Welcome to episode four. I'm Andrea Jaramillo, host of the Moss Vino Please podcast. And on today's episode, I am going to be sitting down with my friend Kate Vervoulis, the owner of Good Luck Wine Shop, as well as the winery Vanda California, both of which she owns with her husband Adam in Pasadena, California, which also happens to be my hometown. Kate is curating one of the best wine clubs and is such an incredible supporter and guide to those who want to start exploring wine. And she's just overall an amazing human being. So I am honored to have her on the pod today. Enjoy. Thank you for being on the pod. Yeah, thank you Thanks for having for me. Letting me come into this beautiful space. Thank I'm really you. excited. Glad to have to you. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm always glad when you're here. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice. I love being just, here. Just the two of us. I know for the first time to like actually just chat and like sort of not have interruptions or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe. Hopefully yeah, maybe. Not. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least like something fun going on in this space. So yeah, um, not guaranteed there won't be an interruption at some point, but. Okay. But I'm, then it's nice. Yes. Exactly. Also, it's we're having breakfast wine. So. Breakfast wine is my favorite wine. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah, just starting it early on the. I had side. yeah, I had a peach this morning, so I'm like, this is literally like one of the first things I'm consuming this morning. Okay, good. So okay, so this we're gonna get we're gonna open up. We're gonna yes. get really relaxed. Yes. And really share. Matt might stop by with food after okay. Altadena. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you brought. So we're switching the script we're flipping the script okay. flipping the script today and you are bringing us a beautiful wine today please share which wine you brought to yeah our so pod. i brought a wine that we made um 2021 vinda california cara cara um this is one of our new releases um for summer um yeah uh this wine was made um well, okay, so it's kind of a wine of circumstance. You know, so much of winemaking is being able to make, um, a, to adapt on the fly um, based on circumstances of the moment. So, like, for example, you know, this wine is 2021, but um, the 2020 vintage was our first vintage within this space. We started making wine in 2016, but we decided to open our Pasadena winery, um, started uh, building it out at the beginning of 2020. Um, which, you know, weird time for everybody, but our first vintage here, we, um, were still a little bit in construction when grapes started to needing to be picked because mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but 2020 had like these crazy, crazy wildfires. Yeah. And we were super worried about smoke taints and, um, losing fruit. So we just started, we ended up picking earlier than we had planned to. So we had grapes arriving, but the space wasn't ready. We didn't even have the power set up to be able to plug in our press oh and operate gosh. our press so we we kind of do always talk about like the you can have an idea you can have a vision of what you want to do when you're like selecting your grapes and signing those contracts and all mm -hmm. those sorts of things um but then you know nature and um various other circumstances require you to be just like on your feet and right. quick decisions so this wine is an example of that so both of so this is mostly um sauvignon blanc um and a little bit of tempranillo and a sm small amount of other things that we used for topping off but um essentially we went to go pick the sauvignon blanc and the tempranillo on the same day in los olivos two different vineyards but they're just like um, less than a mile apart from one another you mm -hmm. like it's just like across the highway 
And um, so if we picked the Sauvignon Blanc first, and then we headed to a bar, young um, Alice Anderson from Envive, it's her vineyard that she farms. Oh, yeah. Um, so you want to get some fruit yeah, from them yeah. as well. And um, and so we were picking the Tempranillo, and Alice is so generous, and it was the last pick of the day, so she just threw in a little bit of extra. But, you know, uh, we had this big box, like, U-Haul truck, essentially, that we bring the pick bins back down in, and the Tempranillo was so like overfilled that we couldn't fit it into the truck. Oh, and so, so you had to eat some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we ate a quarter ton of fruit. <laughs> yeah, we. So Adam just like quickly was just like, I'm gonna just throw this tempranillo in with the Sauvignon Blanc, and I'll just like deal with it when we get back to Pasadena. It's only oh. a couple hours. And then on the drive down, he started thinking like, well, what what would it be like if we kept them together mm-hmm. and we let them, you know, co-ferment? So we talk a lot about, and I'm sure you've heard this. Wine class, we talk a lot about the difference between a co ferment versus a blend. And a co ferment, these wines um, basically like grow up together, they go through all of it together. Where a blend is something where they're made completely, they're fermented separately, and they're blended before bottling. Mm-hmm. So it really comes out in a different way because there's influence on one another rather than like you blend to like find balance, etc. Um, so, you know, how like what if we co fermented them? So we left them on skins for um like 10 to 14 days and um so skin contact sauvignon blanc co-fermented with tempranillo so that's why you're getting this beautiful color yeah the color is insane like it's somewhere between it's somewhere between dark terracotta orange totally and then like also some risotto yeah like kind of coppery yeah hue. copper yeah, yeah that's a really good yeah for sure very coppery. yeah it's beautiful and i feel like um i really love when a wine tastes like it looks like you look at it and you have this idea and then you drink it and you're like oh i get it mm. oh my gosh very acid forward mm-hmm. like very wow i don't very know bright yeah so bright super aromatic mm-hmm. on the nose um, like you're getting a lot of floral, you're oh, getting beautiful. a lot of fruit. Um, and then that's translating super well onto the palate. Like I think yeah. that you can really, really taste the bright fruit on this. And like, you know, I'm getting a lot of stone fruit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a lot of that bright sort of like citrusy tartness too. Yeah, definitely. I, I see both. I, when I, like on the nose, I was getting like maybe tropical mm-hmm. at first, like totally. tropical sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but it smells, wise, it smells it's like, like summer super like i see i get like lots of like citrus but also that stone fruit like the peach i had this morning, yeah yeah extra totally. juicy <laughs> yeah we should have it with peaches mm-hmm. we should have it with like a peach and prosciutto mm. little That'd dish so good so would you say that the tempranillo is a rosé because it was like on no the no so uh so we didn't direct press so they all okay. fermented together on skins okay and um, so we let it you know we we uh, foot tranched on them mm-hmm. you know climb into the bins i love lucy style mm-hmm. um and then wrap it and then just let it sit with like the juice and the skin starting to yeah. do their fermentation process amazing yeah, um, yeah this is really incredible thank you i'm just like really loving the color too yeah like, I really- I'm Kate Morgulis. Um, I am the owner of Good Luck Wine Shop. Um, well, I get co-owner. Sorry, my husband Adam and I. Good Luck Wine Shop and Vinda California Winery in Pasadena. Um, we started, as I mentioned, we started making wine in 2016, um, and opened our winery in Pasadena in 2020. Um, it's 
uh, been a journey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's been great. You know, uh, I have, so my background, just a little bit about me. Um, I grew up here in Pasadena. We um, love a Pasadena girl. <laughs> yeah. I actually grew up just <laughs> about a mile from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get into a little bit about how we're making wine in Pasadena, like the history of wine and why we're able to do it. But like, um, to be totally honest, um, I didn't know any of that history growing up and I didn't grow up in a family with, um, a lot of, um, exposure to wine or alcohol at all. Um, my parents didn't drink. I remember my aunt, um, in high school, she introduced me to a wine spritzer. Um, <laughs> and I think we just did like cheap red wine and seven up. Yeah. Like, and I was like, this is tight. I think that my, like, my intense love for, like, uh, my intense sweet tooth was like, this is right up my alley. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't really grow up nor like, um, until really I met Adam did I have as much experience with wine. But, um, after grad, I went to Loyola Marymount and I studied art history. And after graduating, I spent, um, a full summer driving around the country and living out of my car and just like seeing the whole, like a big huge road trip for mm-hmm. myself and alone um, solo trip. yeah solo trip mm-hmm. I mean I stay with people along the way um and I uh got to see most of the United States which I had studied abroad in Florence and I had done some traveling in Europe um growing up but I didn't really know anything about the United States mm-hmm. and um so really wanted to see it and it was the one of the best experiences in my life and through that, I um, I actually reconnected with somebody I had met in high school from Oregon, and his family um, are winemakers. And oh. um, so uh, Cameron Winery, they're amazing. We've had a lot of their wines. They're you know they're natural before that even became part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. Um, John is and Terry are incredible humans. Um, and you know they started making wine in Oregon because they. Um, couldn't afford to buy vineyards in California where they were living. They were living in the Bay Area. Um, Perry, um, this dude has, has a PhD in doing like Alzheimer's research and John oh, was wow. a, um, microbiologist and he like took his scientific brain and translated that to winemaking. And, um, but they couldn't afford to make wines. So anyways, they made wine, at, they make wine in Dundee, Oregon and moved to Oregon, um, for my boyfriend, et cetera. And mm-hmm. that was really when I started like learning about food and beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I didn't necessarily have the best exposure to like delicious, well-made foods. I just didn't, <laughs> it wasn't, like food wasn't a thing for me because I didn't know it could be like incredible. Like I remember, so one of my first restaurant jobs, I remember at staff meal. Um, was that in Oregon or was that here in Pasadena? Yeah, in Portland. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I had this like delicious pork belly and I had no idea pork could be like juicy because like, every time I had added it, it been like so overcooked. Or, like 50% fat. Yeah. It was just like, I was just like, I didn't like eating. I didn't think food was that exciting. And then I just like, it was like, you know, this huge like awakening of food. Um, and then, so I started working in restaurants and bars and that food and beverage knowledge started like growing and increasing and I I'm not a person that cooks so I would eat out all the time and um I'd love to eat I just don't have any interest in making (laughs) but um and uh but wine never really like I was much more interested in like cocktails and Mm -hmm. food preparation rather than the wine component um and I, I I did have like a lot of wine exposure just through 
um, my ex's family and the, um, you know, my mentor at the time, Carly, she's a sommelier and she's now an Italian wine importer and she just started a, um, canned wine business as oh. well up in, um, uh, she's in, uh, Eastern her? Oregon. It's called Three Time Wine. It's just launched. Oh, I'm really cool. excited to try it. More canned wine. We love More. canned wine. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and, um, and so, like, I remember, you know, I line up one morning or one day, like, she opened a bottle of Bougie Sardone ro- sparkling rose and it was like strawberries and cream. And I'm just like, again, sweet tooth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is so incredible. Like, this is so delicious. And, like, that wine is natural. But, again, it wasn't, like, part of the conversation right. then. This um, is – do you mind sharing what year this was? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. It was probably 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I that was, like, the first rumblings, I feel, like, 2013, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Of, like, the natural wine movement as we know it today. It was, like, post – 2013, 2014. Totally. And, you know, for me, like, being really into cocktails, like, that was the the peak yeah. of craft cocktail right. movement, right? right. And yeah. I moved back to L.A., like, 2014 and, like, um, worked with the folks from Death & Co. And, oh, like, cool. You know, like, that sort of exposure to cocktails and this sort of, like, layering of flavors mm-hmm. and, like, this balance of, and complexity, right, with using, like, minimal ingredients as well. Um, Like, those flavor profiles – that like stuck in my brain, I think are what first attracted me to natural wine. Cause I would so I worked at, um, I worked two big restaurants in, um, Portland and Los Angeles, La Pigeon and Kisbaka. Mm-hmm. And those dining experiences are like a lot of taking a huge amount of information and condensing it to make it super accessible, to, accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And, at that time, when I worked at Kisbaka, um, that's when I met Adam, and Adam was doing these events called Wine Raves, mm-hmm. and it was very much like, let's take wine and make it a little bit more fun. Let's let, let's make it like let's bring in a new generation of wine drinkers. He's a pioneer, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and there'd be like little raves. It'd be like blacklight and DJs and wine shots uh-huh. and drinking wine out of like camel packs, backpacks, and like wine cocktails, and it was like. Low ABV, fun, like, let's show people, like, there's, wine can be fun. And I think that's what was my bridge, like, my, sorry, my um, barrier to entry was that it felt, at, wine felt out of my reach. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like I, I wasn't, I didn't fit the demographic of wine drinker mm-hmm. um, as a young female. And I didn't feel like I had the resources nor money to be able to get to that level with wine. Like, right. there's a, a lot of wine is having to drink and taste it all the time. And I, I was around and I explored it, but I just thought all the wines kind of tasted, like, flat and a little uninteresting. And then I have these incredible wines that Adam's introducing to me. And the flavors are just so dynamic and so explosive. And I'm just, like, having my mind blown. Like, I didn't know wines could taste like this. And saying he's telling me more about natural wine and then like the philosophy behind it, the people behind it, and like the the hope of natural wine, the purpose of natural wine is to bring wine to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. To take it off the pedestal, take it out of the luxury goods where it's like special occasion or you have to like or you're cellaring it and you know, you have like these really old, super expensive bottles. Yeah. And and make it just you know, exciting and fun. And um when Adam wanted to start making wine, I I didn't know I was going to fall in love with that 
part mm-hmm. as much. And I did, and we did. We both fell in love with the winemaking, and it was like, okay, shift direction, let's go. Like we're gonna work towards building this now. Yeah. Um. So you went from restaurant. Sorry, was like, no, 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 no. You that's... told me you liked. Like, I tangents. love tangents. <laughs> <laughs> I love a tangent. I'm no, sorry, that, but I just, all over the place. So you, so you got you were both working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. That's where you met Adam, mm-hmm. and then. And then you went from restaurants to like, well, in be- in peace be- out. We're going to a winery. You know, I, you know, you know, I um, I burned out really fast mm-hmm. in restaurants. I I didn't um, I didn't do them. I didn't work in restaurants as long as Adam had. Um, my last restaurant job was working at Case Baca, and I had gone from Oregon, in which. I was working in small restaurants that were chef owned and like really, really, um, um, really emphasized on the community and the, the taking care of your employees and sourcing these, you know, incredible ingredients. Um, and I did, wasn't having that experience. I wasn't having a positive experience working in restaurants in Los Angeles. Um, and I burned out way, way fast. Um, so I shifted gears and, um, made my dad really proud and went to work in an art museum. (laughs) I finally used my degree, (laughs) Um, but I wasn't really doing, I wasn't really, I mean, I was, but I think that like, if I drew a through line through everything that I've done, um, it's all been like wanting to share with others. Like I love being a host. I Mm -hmm. love bringing people into my space. I loved, um, making a complex issues accessible. Mm-hmm. So my role, I worked at the museum of contemporary art for four years. Okay. My, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my role there was the visitor engagement manager. So I um, helped build and run the program of everyone that you interact with when you're in the museum from like buying your ticket to checking your backpack to going on a um, tour of the museum to interacting with gallery attendants in the galleries. And a lot of that is like, it was all like front facing customer service. Um, because clearly I like to talk (laughs) and, um, yeah. And so like, I found this way of taking this hospitality and transferring it to something that I love, which is art. Um, and I, we, I worked there for four years until Adam and I were ready to start, um, building the winery here. Wow. What a journey. I mean, I feel like most people who maybe apart from Adam, because I know he was a sommelier for a long time, but like what I'm hearing is like a lot of people had really random entries into yeah. the wine world and are now just doing really amazing things. Yeah. Like it's, I feel like Adam is probably one of the rare or Adam and Rachel are like the two people that like started, you know, sommelier working in a restaurant or in her case, she was with the viticulture. Yeah. Rachel's case. And like, yeah, just that see today. It seems that it's really common for people to come from like an, totally outside like not really having any experience yeah. with wine and then finding wine at some point in their life and now doing these fucking yeah. awesome things yeah totally <laughs> i think you know the 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 differing of backgrounds is really important mm-hmm. um and why i think we're having like all these fun experiences with wine of being like yeah. i've never tasted Sauvignon Blanc that tasted like that yeah is because there's bringing in these new perspectives right um um you know, I think Adam definitely had like the traditional um, 
Somali journal journey. Mm -hmm. Um, and in for who he totally is, he was like rebel against all of it. Um, and that meshes well with bringing in like new ideas and outsider perspectives from people who don't have that background. But, um, I definitely, you know, I think any interesting thing, like, you know, my, I did study art history in school, but it's not like that was what led me to working in a museum. It was all these other experiences and, um, expertise that I brought with it to bring it in, a, you know, to form a role in a different way. And I think that that's, you know, you can apply, anybody can do it and apply their skill set to it. Yeah. I think that's what also just like in the wine industry case, like one of my biggest goals with the stuff that I do in wine is to bridge that gap for people yeah. who feel like I'm not a wine person or I don't know anything about wine or like, I don't think I can like wine or you know because they feel like they're not the demographic or yeah. they don't have any background and, or they don't know anything about food or anything like that and my goal is to bridge that and stories like yours and stories like other people I've talked to that say like oh, well I didn't have any traditional background in it and I'm now doing something in wine like I think that's a really good example for other folks who want to learn about wine but feel like they couldn't before yeah, it's like the people making the wine that you are eventually going to try were also in your everyone unless you grew up on a vineyard in France or in Italy yeah. or something like everyone has to start somewhere. start somewhere yeah. and most people don't have any connection to it unless they sought it out yeah themselves. and I think that that's still like sort of that feeling I had you know eight years ago about wine was and I feel like people I meet people every day who feel that way like who are all apologetic that they don't have the right language or they don't but like I'm new to this and, mm -hmm. and that, but like everyone has to start somewhere and like just be, you know, just because you don't know, it doesn't mean that like there's anything wrong. You know what you like. Right. Um, and that's a great starting point. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I think that that's, I think wine still has a long way to go to be not intimidating For to sure. the general public. But it, I mean, just, like there's so much to know about wine mm -hmm. and it's a really complex subject in yeah. itself when it like one side of it is wine making another side of it is the different varieties of grapes yeah. another side of it is like all the technical terms that come with tasting and yeah. getting to know wine and then like there's a million regions and a million producers and like they all have different styles of making their wine and it's a lot of information to store in your brain. Yeah. And I think like anyone, I don't have room for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. You have to, you have to know like a lot all the time. I feel like, well, I feel really lucky that like whenever I'm unsure, I can just like check in with Adam yeah. and be like, am I talking about this correctly? Right. Did I, did that make sense? Like, is or am I just like making things I, up? <laughs> I can't imagine what Adam's brain like looks like inside when it comes to like wine. He probably has like all these cabinets in his brain of oh like God. files of wine, You're totally right. wine information. Does. Cause that's so much. I mean, that's why I respect sommeliers so much. I always say like, I'm a non-som you don't need to be a som. But like there are soms for a reason and they have like, so much yeah okay deep well, knowledge okay, it's so, crazy to me they're experts like full experts well people come in all the time and they're like i know nothing about wine and i'm like well, that's okay because like okay andre your your day job is doing a social media right like no it, my day job is 
nonprofit. Nonprofit. Sorry. <laughs> no, so but sorry. that's, yeah, but that um, is like totally out of the, yeah. like, and wine Like, okay, totally. so this is a good example. Somebody came in the other day and he was like so apologetic that he doesn't know anything about wine. And I was like, okay, well, what do you do? And he was like, I'm going to like software engineer. And I was like, well, I know absolutely nothing about that. I'm yeah. like, and you're not going to lo- look at me and be like, you idiot. Like, right. you know, I'm like, right. I spend all day doing this. Like, yeah. I would hope that I know a little bit of something that I right. can impart. Like, exactly. you're coming here because I can share this with you, like, until you get to that point where you, you know, I think as, feel more com- comfortable as humans, we have to let go of not knowing everything all the totally. time <laughs> oh my gosh which it's is too hard much. it's which way hard. too much yeah. nobody can know everything about everything exactly that's what i always try to tell like it's a, you if you anything software engineering yeah. or social media or wine or whatever like yeah. there's just no way that everyone that someone is going to have all of the information yeah that they impossible. need like that's the point of existing is like learning yeah and, taking in and, and sharing. also it's not fun anymore if you know everything like yeah i don't know i mean i think like i love wine obviously um but i more than anything like love people mm-hmm. and love talking to people and i feel like right now wine is what i'm using as that vessel to like spend time with people connect yeah, yeah. and um and I'm lucky that I have a partner that is a huge resource for it. And I've learned a ton mm-hmm. in a very, very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But I still, I mean, I have a huge imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, what does somebody who isn't certified, who doesn't have a background, who am I to think that it's okay to just, like, open something and, and and you know. But well, it's really so much more about you're community. Running, you're running and curating one of the best shops in L.A. So thank you. I that. Think- I think, although I really talk way too much, I think I'm also a really good listener. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I, our customers, uh, the customers of Good Luck are absolutely the best, and they're really loyal, and I'm really lucky that they trust us to, to build and share and grow mm-hmm. with them. Um, and so, like, it's listening a lot to them and what they've been excited about yeah. and what they're revisiting, and um, also just trusting myself. And trusting that, like, if I'm excited about something, then I'm going to be more excited to share it. Mm-hmm. And not falling into, like, oh, I absolutely have to carry, like, one of each thing from one of every region region, and just being, like, if the wine isn't something that I feel like I can get behind, there's absolutely no reason to have it, just have it. Right, right. I think that's really important because I think that well like it's important to be able to sell like know what your customers want i also think like you should really believe in the wines that you are selling which i think is a really amazing thing that you do is like you curate wines with really amazing stories and really amazing producers with wine techniques that like speak to you and then therefore like teach someone like me or somebody who's never tried a wine from there from that producer in that style to like explore a little bit more. And that's why yeah. I really love the Good Luck Wine Club because like you guys are curating wines every month that I probably like I would say like definitely 50 if not like 75% of the wines that you curate I probably wouldn't like naturally just grab on my own in yeah. my own like solo exploration. Yeah. Like you are really guiding someone like me and people in general to like 
try something that's way out of there. You know, I, some of the wines I didn't even know existed or these regions. I'm like, I'm like the Australian wine, mm-hmm. the Australian month. I loved every single wine and I, and I like Australian wine, but I didn't ever like seek it. Yeah. You know, on my own. Yeah. It wasn't that, like, oh, I need a Shiraz like this. Yeah. Like I would just get a Syrah. Yeah, <laughs> from totally. Somewhere yeah, else. yeah, yeah. No, and then like that that whole theme came about because I was like, I know nothing about mm-hmm. Australian wine. Like, let me push myself yeah. to and in this teaching more. yourself, you're then teaching us all about it, which I think is really amazing. So this is the part of the podcast where you might hear a commercial or an advertisement. And if you are a brand and you would like to promote your product or your service or yourself, send me an email. Let's connect. Let's collaborate. As you know, this is a self-produced podcast and I am happy to provide space for your advertisements. Now, back to our show. Um, so can you share a little bit about the journey of opening good luck wine? Sure. Like how did you go from making wine? So you went from restaurants yeah. to making wine and now you have this amazing shop. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we, so we signed the lease on this building in January of 2020 and, um, you know, for all the things that people told us we need to like prepare for when, you know, starting a business like world pandemic was not on the list yeah (laughs) but um so basically we always had the idea of opening a wine shop um because this this building does have two storefronts and they're um i'm not gonna get into all of it but there's like uh, the tiered system three-tiered system in california of like what businesses you can own while you're doing various things Mm -hmm. and um you know alcohol laws are very strict for a reason um, so it was like, okay, what can we do while also making wine? Because Adam and I are not farmers. We mm-hmm. do not grow our own grapes. We purchase them from our friends who are excellent um, vineyards. And so um, we do have a, quite a bit of downtime when we're not in harvest. Mm-hmm. So um, we were like, okay, well, what else can we do? Also, like, I want to be a part of this and what can I do and sort of thing. And like the idea was always to like get the winery and the taste room going. And then at some point we would open a retail shop. Um, obviously March, 2020 came around and we were like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, construction on the winery was delayed. Um, we didn't even know if we'd be able to make wine in here, the first vintage. And like, that's really like the stress we were under was crazy because you can only make wine once a year. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the first, when I told my dad, we were first studying wanting to make wine. And we were like, oh, you know, it didn't come out exactly like our first vintage 2016. I was like, oh, it was great. But like, we would do something different next time. And he was like, oh, well, like, can't you just do it? And I was like, no, you only get one shot a year. <laughs> and like explaining to him that, it's, you know, it's very different from beer. Like you right. can't just continuously brew. You just you get one chance. So we were like, we're going to miss harvest and this is going to be completely detrimental. Like, what can we do? And so we, because of being the fact that we used to make wine in other people's um, custom crush facilities – like we used to make wine in the purity space. Um, we made wine one year with Scar of the Sea in his space. We had a specific type of license that allowed us to make wine, but also sell it online. Mm-hmm. So working through all the like the California legality of it, um, we our lawyer was like, "Well, you can start like a retail like website," mm-hmm. and simultaneously, because of COVID, the ABC allowed for individuals to start delivering wine. 
So oh. previously you had to go through like a UPS third party. Or something. Well, like like caviar or like, okay. like a third party system, Drizzly, like uh-huh. all of those that like are like um have all the liability insurance to be able to actually like move alcohol from place to place. Right. But the ABC allowed for individuals to start doing it. So we were oh. I had this idea and I was like, let's open a retail wine shop and we'll do local delivery. And I was like, Adam, can you help me build a web- website? And so was, retail shop online. Yeah. Strictly online. Yeah. And Adam was like, okay, cool. Give me a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, no, no. I already like put on Instagram that we're opening next week. So oh we had like three days <laughs> to like launch a website. And so what we did oh, and kind of the premise and belief of good luck has always been that like natural wine and supporting the the winemakers that we love. Like we have this great community of people. And I love Pastina. You know, I didn't love it growing up. I love it now. But mm-hmm. – um bring the wines that we love from people that we love to this community that we've made our home. So like when we started, we just had eight wines and nobody could taste. That wasn't the thing. Like I remember the first six months of, of good luck, people would just bring me like little vials of wine to taste, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which is definitely not showing them in their best, you know, like driving around Los Angeles all day, like with like an ice pack, hoping (laughs) like that's it, like oxygen and heat don't ruin them. But like we started with eight wines of winemakers that we absolutely like loved and trusted and knew that we could get behind, even though like we couldn't like personally taste them. Right. Were they wines that were distributed by larger distributors or were they like kind of direct to consumer style? Wines? A little bit of both. So um, we, the first group of wines, we just got them all from Amy Atwood. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a, a Marini and a Margins and a Flores um and a donkey and goat and like started with like these west coast california wines natural wines and we have relationships with all these people they're all wonderful and it's like we can 100 percent sell these wines and so it started as eight literally eight wines plus hoxy cans of hoxy mm-hmm. and we i mean we've grown to i think we have like 200 wines now oh and i actually looked yeah. the other day and i think in the two years that two plus years that we've been open we've had like over 2,000 wines like come through which different wines different wines and like with with um like wine in general that's not a lot but like for our tiny 250 square foot shop it definitely feels like a lot anyway so yeah good luck was it's a diverse portfolio yeah that you've had (laughs) strictly online local delivery only um how was the response um, in terms of customers, like when that when you first launched, like did you feel like people want this, or was think, it kind of like a slower? I think so. I think so because COVID was a really interesting time for wine. Yeah, um, that's when I really yeah, dove in. you know, so many people were in this limbo mm-hmm. and like, well, I'll take this time to kind of like dive in, and you know, there's a natural um, sort of progression that people go through I think with natural wine or with wine in general where they like start with like something that feels safe and familiar and then they like really just like throw out the net and try to like try everything and really explore and dive deep and then they then like hone in and on what they like really love and it's usually like very different from what they where they started mm-hmm. and we were seeing this happen like really rapidly yeah like because people instead of like the occasional like I'll have a bottle of wine like maybe once a week, people were having buying a case a week yeah. of wine. That was me and Matt. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I have a photo from like the first week or two of COVID quarantine and we had like a graveyard of bottles mm-hmm. that like we hadn't 
thrown away, but also like consumed most of them within like three days of each yeah. other. We had so much wine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great time to like really just kind of like explore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think also because we were doing local contactless delivery mm-hmm. made it super easy for people to just like shop online and yeah. the wine just showed up at their door. So were, were your customers like Pasadena folks? Yeah, we did. Lo- we did local delivery just in, uh, we still do it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we, but we focused on Pasadena, Altadena, South Pass, okay. San Marino and Sierra Madre. So kind of like the, like the area surrounding Pasadena. Bringing amazing wine to the SGV. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the time I don't do a lot of it anymore, but like I was writing these descriptions that I think took people out of like thinking about it in terms of like flavor profiles and things like that. And just like put them into an experience. Like this is a wine that you want to drink when you're doing this. And this is a wine that reminds me of this time that I was like with my cousins at Christmas and we like hold ourselves into like the, one of the bedrooms and like snuck a bottle of wine and like, you know, you know, then like, I think people do like feeling like it lists an emotional response. Definitely. I think that's like the best way I've been able to connect with people about wine is like, I have some people that enjoy like more traditional tasting notes of like common mm-hmm. things, but, but talking about the wine in a way like this is how, this is what this wine would remind you of. Or if you like, laying in the grass yeah you'll like this wine totally <laughs> and i feel like people and even if they don't they know exactly what you're talking about like exactly they're like i'm not a person that goes on a boat but right like, but i like love drinking wines that remind me of being on a boat being on a boat <laughs> exactly exactly it's like this but, uh, these sensory experiences that maybe due to like the last two years and also just like being on our phone so much, we're kind of like disconnected from yeah. things like going on boats or, yeah. <laughs> or laying in the grass for some people. And so it kind of like reignites, hopefully that memory of those experiences and maybe inspires you to go enjoy that wine yeah. in the grass, but yeah. also at least just taste what that might feel yeah, like. Allow again. yourself to be transported. Yes. Um, yes. and then, you know, because I, I fully believe in everything that we do. Like I like to do a lot of research on the people behind the wines and I like I sharing that. their stories. And I think that especially with natural wine, like people talk all the time, like, Oh, I pick wine by label mm-hmm. when natural wine, I 100% am behind that because as a small producer, like we're putting thought into every aspect, yes. including the way that it like it looks, looks and presents yeah. itself. And like there, the, the representation of the wine behind the label or the personality of the person behind it, like, I think it's totally fair to pick wine by label because you're yeah. getting in a sense of who they are. Yeah, the I feel like the like the degree of separation between wine label and wine label designer and yeah. the actual maker of the wine is like very close, especially yeah. when it comes to natural wine. And a lot of times, like the wine or the winemaker story is like usually somehow expressed yeah, in that design, that exactly. final design. But I think especially with natural wine, when you know who it is behind it, you could probably, you know, think of it like astrology, like, oh, this person's a Gemini. Like, you mm-hmm. tell their story and you're like, or like, wow, that sounds like a person that like would be me. a I really cute I've tried Gemini I'm not, wines. I'm, would be yeah. so cute. I've tried to, I have a good friend um, who is a, um, my mom's a Gemini. Can you hear Gemini? Yeah. Wine. What is, what is, what is it? Sorry, I don't know the, like, precise language, but she's like, she studies um, astrology and does like tarot and like, but anyways, that's her career and she's amazing. And we've been 
on and off trying to like do like wine pairings for astrological signs. That would be so amazing. Um, but I don't know enough about it. Like, Wait, you should do an event with her where do, like, she like and wines. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Everyone Andrea's All face right now. <laughs> my friends would pass out with okay, happiness. We're planning it. Oh my gosh. Ooh, we should design oh gosh, a tarot be, deck um, with wines. Stop. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. Okay, let's I put it admit. together. Next business idea. I don't need anything, any more ideas, but let's do it. I've been actually like researching tarot, not for, for like other reasons. I was on Pinterest and I got really deep into Pinterest and like I, I came up on like these like unofficial tarot designs and they were yeah. so cute. And I was like, oh, I just want to like, I wish I was a better illustrator and artist because I would just make tarot cards for no good reason. <laughs> But no, we I should, think you should absolutely do that. Oh my god! Wait, we should. Okay, let's. We'll discuss offline. <laughs> yeah, guys, these but are our ideas. Please, <laughs> them. yeah, just stay tuned for an astrology wine night. Yeah, and my friends we're doing would it. literally die. Like all, everyone, this would be packed. <laughs> I 100 percent guarantee you, this will be packed. All right, we're doing. Okay, it. we're doing. Um, okay. We're going to release this along with our announcement. Of yeah, our- it's okay. This will be in a couple of weeks, so we'll have time to think yeah. about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the, the people behind it are, is so important to me. Um, and like, that's, I think why I can stand so firmly behind the ones that we carry is because Mm -hmm. I truly believe in who is making them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's another reason why I love shopping here is because I feel like I can actually connect to, you know, sometimes when you shop online, you don't hear like the story behind the product or the winemaker um and in some other shops that are maybe like a bit more corporate or like larger or maybe don't have as intimate of a feeling as mm-hmm. good luck wine does i feel like you you lose that connection to the maker of the wine and that's yeah. something that you do really well here is every wine has a story yeah and i have yeah i've had multiple friends come in and i guess you sold them on the story <laughs> She was like, I just bought so much wine because I loved. She was like, you tell me a good story and I will buy it. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I think I think we also like make it a little bit less of. A, we, I mean, we do have a good amount of wine, but it's so much less than if you're going into like a total wine, right? Right. So, of course. Yeah. Um, and we do take time to like learn all of it so that we can have a conversation. This isn't. It's not necessarily a shop where you like browse by yourself. Um, there is a lot of like talking yeah and like because we really do want to find what's right for you not just like just sell you on whatever right right exactly yeah and I think that personalized experience is also something that I think is really specific to natural wine for sure I mean I'm not like a big wine collector and I don't have experience with like more traditional or conventional old school wine thought but I think that that's something that's really amazing with natural wine is that you can get really personal with it and like curate like a selection of wines that speak to you based on the way you know there's a there's a bit more transparency I think in natural wine compared to conventional wines and that transparency is like hopefully I mean you know hopefully it starts in the vineyard but then also like in the way the wine is made and then like the ethos of the winemakers and like what they want to translate in the bottle Anyway, I think it's just like that's what really what like separates the two for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's just like I think you bring up such a great point because natural wine and I 
think in your pre-questions, you asked like where, where I hope natural wine's going. And there's always been this like very silly motto that Adam and I have said is like case stacked at Whole Foods. And like the idea being that like natural wine just becomes synonymous with wine. Mm-hmm. And the idea being that the more demand that there is from consumers, like the better that uh, larger winemakers, commercial winemakers will change their practices to be more environmentally yes. friendly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, winemaking aside, because, you know, wine is two components. is the farming and then it's the winemaking. They have to be working together. Um, but it is two totally separate things. And like, for example, like I mentioned, Adam and I are not farmers. We trust the farmers that we work with. They're doing things environmentally and ethically sound. Right. Um, and, but like winemaking aside, the best case scenario is that everyone moves to, to organic farming. I agree. Um, and the more demand that there is for these wines, even like natural wine has existed longer than anything. Mm-hmm. Commercial wine has only been around for a very, very short time within the, like the grandscape, grand, um, what am I trying to say? Well, you know yeah, in, the, in the, like the, the large, history of yeah, wine, it's yeah. only been the last 50 years. Yeah, yeah, that very, really... very small. And so, like, getting the, so, like, the trend, quote-unquote, trend of natural wine has actually existed for long, and everyone's definitely had natural wine if they've done any traveling abroad. They're just, it's just not marketed as such. It just is what it is. And it's become more marketed, mm-hmm. obviously, in the United States, and... So, like, that consumer want for it is only going to push things in a, in a great direction. Right. And then hopefully step after, you know, changing the farming is then reducing the amount of, you know, ingredients and chemicals that were added to the wine um, and letting it just kind of express itself. And I think that just as long as there's demand for it, it will keep pushing things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's my hope. Do you think that natural wines could ever get to the point of being um – I don't want to say mass produced, but produced in volume the mm-hmm. way that we see conventional wines. Like, for example, like I know people always ask me, like, I want Trader Joe's natural wines. Can I get natural wine at Trader Joe's? I've personally never seen a natural wine at Trader Joe's. I don't believe that it can be done because currently, because Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or whatever requires volume. Yeah. Total wine requires volume and most if not all natural wine producers are not able to yeah. like scale apart from like a couple, there's like a handful that I think maybe have the ability to do that. Yeah. Do you think eventually that could happen? I think that that just um, has to be the consumer continues demanding it, demanding it and being mm-hmm. okay with, um, I feel like inconsistency is such a negative word, but like variation. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's very difficult to make wine at a volume and then replicate that again and again. It's like trying to, every time you make a recipe at home, make it exactly the same. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, I like to compare a natural wine to having like something like how, you know, you used your sourdough starter during COVID and you made a beautiful loaf of bread Mm -hmm. versus like having Wonder Bread. Like there's Mm -hmm. a recipe behind Wonder Bread that like every time it's made, it's going to be made exactly the same. Um... So I, I don't know, but if the consumers are like, okay, like if you think about it, like in terms of like going to the farmer's market and occasionally there's going to be like maybe one bad strawberry with in the basket, just like don't throw it all out because right. there's one thing that maybe isn't like the most desirable. Yeah. 
definitely. I think people have to get to the point <clears throat> of like perhaps perhaps understanding wine a little bit more and knowing yeah. that there is going to be variation in in bottles or in wine or in styles or in vintages or whatever. Every vintage isn't going to taste exactly the same. Every yeah. bottle on the shelf is not going to taste exactly the same. But then maybe once there's like that universal <laughs> acceptance of yeah. of that, then like you know, I guess my question I guess my question is more of like do you think that natural wine producers Apart from the demand, like, allowing for more flexibility, do you think producers could get to a point where they can scale minimal or, or low-intervention wine? Um, can they scale that? I think so. Um, I think that they would have to do it with probably, like, monetary assistance yeah, and then hoping that they have somebody that works with them that doesn't want them to, like, breach their, like, right. ethics. Or maybe – you know, in a, also in a, in a more optimistic outlook on the world is like these conventional producers that are like the quote unquote leaders of wine yeah. in supermarkets and in larger like stores. Like, Tubak Chuck. And yes. like, um, Justin, I don't actually know much about Justin, but yeah, I mean, Justin's pretty is, I mean, it's not natural, but it's, but it's a the, little bit better. They're like, they're just like the larger, yeah, I feel it's not like, like cupcake. What is that? Yeah. Cake bread? I don't know. Cup, yeah, is cupcake. Like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those oh. types of brands that are seen everywhere, commonly found, are like switching their chip in their mind of like, okay, we're going to farm organically. We're going to purchase organically. We're going to use like less inoculated yeast. And mm -hmm. I don't know. But then again, like that, I guess that goes into like the conversation of scaling and like, can you even really like largely produce a minimal intervention wine? I don't know because I don't know much about like that winemaking yeah. process, but I feel like it would just be I really think, hard. I think you can, but I think it it will. It requires like really skilled. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> people, Making natural probably. wine that's not doesn't have flaws and it requires like a yeah. lot of skill. Like, yeah, it's so um, hard. It's so hard. Um, or like whatever you know, quote unquote flaws, depending on I mean, mm. palates being what they are. Taste is subjective. Um, but like, yes, I think it's possible whether it's possible to like replicate it year over year. I'm not absolutely sure. I don't know. That's such a great question. Yeah, that's tough. That's what but, I always think about, but I don't know. I, I, I think like, like Adam and I will probably never be able to do something at that level because like we like fall in love with a single barrel, mm -hmm. right? And that's like 22 cases. And we're like, let's not blend it. It's like so perfect <laughs> as it is. And yeah. then you have like a thousand skews of like a very small amount. And then, right. you, you know, people ask us all the time, oh, are you bringing this wine back? And it's like, well, kind of. Like we're going to be making it the same way. But because we don't use inoculated yeast, it's yeah. never going to be exactly right. the same. The season was different. You know, like yeah. 2022 was different than Absolute, 2020. Absolutely. And like, yeah. And I think it's also really important, um, like, with winemakers to, like, pick their fruit with the climate. Like, it's very traditional in a lot of places where it's, like, we pick every September 17th. That's it. Like, we don't waver on that. And and I get that for, like, sort of, like, ease of life. But um, what if that's, like, not the right day? Like, yeah. so then what are you going to have to do every to year your wine to make yeah what are you going to have to do to the fruit etc to the wine etc like to make it come out because your consumer base wants it to be like right. the exact same every time yeah yeah and I think that just like thinking of it more is that like a small restaurant that 
has a rotating menu or like shopping at the farmer's market and things that are in season, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and you take that approach to it, that makes the, you know, it takes some pressure off the winemakers. Um, Myself as a wine shop, you know, wine, natural wine producers are such, they make such small amounts that like, I know people fall in love with the wine and then it's gone and Mm -hmm. I can't do anything about that. And I can (laughs) hope that the next vintage, one, that I'll even get any of it and two, that it'll be somewhat similar. Yeah. But it's so much out of our control. I've learned, I think that like, (laughs) for better or for worse, that's kind of created a little bit of like a hype culture Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. certain wines, which like, I can be like that sometimes where I'm like, I have to buy three bottles. Like I'm about to buy two bottles of the wine that you just got in. And I kind of, I'm like, should I like only buy one? Cause I want other people to try it too. But also <laughs> like, I know it with people. Yeah. I'm going to get two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to get two. Cause I waited a really long time to try this. But, wine. You but know, it I creates was only, that kind of like, like for a wine like that, like I was only able to get a case, but the winemaker has it available on their website. That's and you true. Like, absolutely. Buy direct, buy direct when from able, them when you're able to. Yeah. I'm going to try to visit them. Oh, I'm That's so my, yeah. In the, in August I'm going up to Berkeley. So I'm hoping to like make a stop. I'm actually like Instagram friends with his wife. Like, oh, yeah, awesome. she's really sweet. Yeah. And, they're great yeah, people. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, did I answer your question? Yes, you totally which, did. I don't know. No, you did. You like, did. I wish I could. It's I just would like be a spark, very, like, very helpful for me if I had any insight. No, I mean, there's no, <laughs> like, there really is no, like, I feel like there's no like exact answer because yeah. if there was, then people would be doing it. I think you like know? what you're doing, you know, so much with your, with your, content that you're putting out is really like the future of wine because it really is bringing in audiences that wouldn't normally like oh, thank you me eight years ago who was like wine no thanks mm-hmm. um and then like needed something fun like wine rave to like and yeah. also somebody that I loved showing me about yeah. it like bringing in an audience and the new generation of wine and also that like younger generations are going to continually push people to make better con- product and like have more like ethical right um standards yeah yeah i think like more exposure to wines and wines that are out there and like wine styles and just like people understanding that like wine is so diverse in so many different ways from like the people who make it the types of wines the people who drink it price points like there's so much diversity when it comes to wine and like i think unless you are exposed to that or like see that somewhere like wine will con unless like there's more exposure to these wines and like wine will continue to be this kind of like quote unquote gate kept yeah. sort of like industry or product or like and I do think we have a long way to go with all of that. For sure. Too. There's a yeah, I even notice it like in the more um like free minded natural wine space there's still like gatekeeping that's happening or I don't want to say pretentiousness but like there's definitely like like divisions within divisions of like and and I think like Adam says I feel like the ultimate goal is that all wine is goes back to being natural wine right all wine is organically farmed produced is as minimal or low intervention as possible like that it's available everywhere at various price points. Like that is yeah. the ultimate goal. And like, I mean, like I, I, I think about it and I know that you do this a little bit with your work, like the, and it's totally different. So please don't like take this <laughs> as like exactly what I'm trying, but like 
food deserts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like the access to fresh fruit and vegetables yeah. around the country. Like, I mean, you mentioned about how it's hard to get natural wine in different parts of the country. And like, yeah. yes, we have shipping, but like there, the idea of being like returned to like sourcing maybe more locally and more sustainably and, um, it's so, it's so, I use, you know, I use Amazon regularly. I like, yeah. I'm like, oh fuck, I yeah. need this. Like, great. I can get it by tomorrow. And I can also save myself a trip of like driving to the grocery store. Right. right. Like I totally get the world of convenience, but I think also like balancing that along with being understanding and like. Definitely. Shopping local. Yeah. Supporting small and supporting that because there's the actual human. For sure. There. Like even the most sustainable low waste organic free range person yeah can't like be that a thousand percent of yeah, the time of like it's a trade-off and like I actually like recently spoke about this with somebody else when it comes to wine but like like when it come, I think when it comes to wine there's always going to be a sacrifice somewhere to be made like no Wine is perfectly sustainable, perfectly ethical, perfectly delicious, perfectly like there's always going to be like someone was like, oh, well, I'm upset that this producer can't tell me if they're, you know, their farmers are being paid fairly. And it's like, I totally understand that. And that's a really important aspect for Mm me. I think that sometimes the wines that are able to guarantee that their farm, their farmers are, are being paid. Mm-hmm. also isn't exactly like the greatest wine. I'm not purchasing that wine because I think their wine is delicious, but because I know that they're, you know, oh, they're, absolutely. They're, they're producing their wine ethically. Oh. And, and same with like it being like minimally or zero, zero, like minimally produced or zero, zero minimal intervention versus like a little bit more intervention than maybe enough. Like no wine is going to be like perfect in all of yeah. those ways. And we kind of have to like learn like give and take and it's like an unfortunate truth about any agricultural product any kind of honestly any product really like across the board whether it's clothes or food or wine or furniture software development like whatever there's always going to be some part of it that's like not the best and other parts of it that are why we purchase it in the first place oh my gosh I I think you hit the nail on the head for so for so much about like what I believe in is like Sometimes I don't love every wine that a winemaker puts out, but like I'm going to support them regardless. And it's also like, it's not about me. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then like, I want them to be successful They're You know, I want them to continue to grow and to change the narrative. And yeah. And, and I think also like another, like just getting, my brain is like stuck on the like ethical part of it. It's like, some of these producers, like, while they really want and strive to be as ethical as possible, and they, they might not be able to guarantee you, the consumer, it's like, does that mean we stop purchasing from them? Because, like, producers still work within the budgets that they have. Like, not all producers can, like, buy, like, 100% certified organic, fair trade, yeah. whatever. Like, it's just really hard in the agricultural system that we have today to, like, like, unless you have tons and tons of money to be, like, buying the most transparent things all the time and producing as, like, cleanly or whatever as possible, it's just, I don't know, I also, like, don't know that, like, I would 86 
certain producers because they can't tell me, a yeah. random consumer, like how great or not great like things are on the back end for them. Yeah, you know, totally. like I don't know. There has to be a little bit of like grace for producers that are trying really hard to like make it in an industry that's super hard. It doesn't mean like blatantly and obviously and maliciously taking advantage of other people or or the environment or the land or whatever, yeah. but like trying to be as best as you can with the resources that you have yeah. and the capacity that you have. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also like uh, hoping that everyone's as transparent as possible and exactly. letting the consumer like decide for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like, so two examples, like I have a producer that I carry here um, and she teeters on, on natural because she's in a facility that uses inoculated yeast. But I know that her goals are to open her own space mm -hmm. And if I'm not con like like supporting, or other shops are not supporting, she's never going to get to that point where right. she can like be able to firmly say like she's not inoculating, but there's inoculated yeast in their space. So like, can she fully say, say that, that she's she natural? Like, right, right. You know, it. You know, I, I think there's a lot of um, dogmatically probably she mm -hmm, couldn't. Mm -hmm. um, but like, what's more important? Like helping them get to that point where they're trying to. Yeah. Um, not everybody has the luxury of being able to do everything that they want exactly the first time around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and secondly, like, okay, so in Wine Club last month, we had Ecstatic Truth. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that Hank could, so Hank from La Clarine, I don't think he could have released that wine if he hadn't already established himself as a, like, legitimate natural winemaker. Because I think if it was, like, a new producer who came out and was like, oh, I'm not going to tell you anything about this wine, mm -hmm, I'd be mm -hmm. like, no thanks. Like, I, what, <laughs> what, what are you giving me to make you trust yeah. that, like, this is actually natural? But, like, Hank's been a winemaker for over a decade. And so I can be, like, I can talk to him and, like, know that he's being on the up and up even if he's not giving me the information. Yeah. Um, but I also think that also is – it's such an interesting idea of, like, withholding the winemaking process and withholding what the grapes are, et cetera, because – then maybe you're not going to be have like a preconceived notion of what it's supposed to be. Totally. I also think like if you see like, oh, this wine was made with like 20 grapes, like maybe somebody would be like, eh, I'd rather have something like a little more precise or specific yeah. and like not lean into whatever that like mystery wine might be, yeah. which I actually very much enjoyed. It was so good. <laughs> it was and so I, good. Yeah. And I like, I tasted that with Hank. He came down to visit and tasted it and I was like, I love this wine. What is it? And that's when like the whole like story of what mm. his new project is came out. And I was like, oh, well, I don't care. It's still fucking delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. It's a great wine. See, that's a great wine club wine because like I probably wouldn't have purchased it just because like, I don't know. I would have been like, well, I want an orange that's maybe more like this or whatever. Yeah. And then... Yeah, but you like you just put it in there, and I was like, "All right, let's try it." And I'm like, wow, like that was really fun. Like that yeah. was really exciting. Yeah, and um, but I don't know. I just these are very thoughtful questions, Andrea. <laughs> thank you. Well, no, thank you. Thank you for being on my pod and yeah. like sharing your knowledge and your information. Oh and, my like, god, I know. I nothing. just like I love like your insight and I love like your perspective and you're adventurous and you just like you push us. Somebody put it very well I never thought of it like this and you're gonna get a kick out of it but I was like talking about you and they were like oh she's like your shaman she's your wine shaman <laughs> oh. and I was like yeah 
Oh, I think she is. No pressure. pressure, but (laughs) But I was like, I was like, yeah, I really wouldn't like push myself to like some of the wine places I go if it weren't for you and Wine Club and Adam and like your recommendations. And Thank you. Yeah, you guys have just been so amazing. Wait, I have one more. Um, uh, I know we got like no. really deep. We got deep in our in our chat. But I would like to do something called the lightning round with oh, you. Shit. Are you down for the lightning round? Yeah, wait, can I say no? No, <laughs> no yeah, you can't say I, no. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. It's okay. It's It's fun. All right. Question number one. The perfect place to drink a glass of wine. Outside by the pool. Celebrity owned wine. Love them or hate them? I actually really like Post Malone's wine. Oh, I didn't even know that he had a wine. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that offline because I'm really curious. I didn't even know he had a wine. Mostly hate, but Post Malone's is kind of okay. Okay. Okay, Mary, fuck, kill, okay. Tempranillo, uh-huh. Alberino, uh-huh. uh, Beaujolais, Gamay. Oh, God. <laughs> I wouldn't kill any of those. Um, all right. I would absolutely marry Alberino. Um, it's actually probably one of my favorite grapes. Uh, fuck, Gamay. No. Uh, kill Tempranillo. I don't know. <laughs> As we drink a Tempranillo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's partial Tempranillo. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I, um, it's a hard one. Yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and say that I reserve the right to change my answers <laughs> at a later date. In this combination, like that's what it is. But it could be a different combination of wines. You might say Tempranillo is I know. the Mary. I mean, I love all of those. You could have, yeah. like, if you had said, like, Syrah, I've been like, Kills Ralph. I know because I've heard you say that in your. <laughs> I've heard you say that in your I, podcast before, and I'm offended. I I'm love so Syrah. I'm just not a big red wine drinker. Um, yeah, no, you were talking earlier about me how you regret Syrah. I'm like, oh my god, I don't think I actually have anything with 100 Syrah. It's no, that's so that's, rare. That's Syrah totally... is my Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Syrah. Well, I only learned to love Syrah like it was one specific bottle. It was like a 2018 Tessier. Syrah, mm-hmm. and that I was just like, it was Tessier. It was probably very typical. It was so, like it would, classic and pretty and elegant, beautiful, but, and but very it, precise, but not like you know some of the Syrahs that you probably no, it like have. well, it it had this like floral like lift to it that like I don't think is like really common in Syrah, mm. and I think that really like threw me off because I'm used to like a pepperier, yeah, like yeah, maybe like more earthy kind of vibe, but. It was, yeah, it was gorgeous. And then I was like, I'm going to do this like deep dive on all these like Syrahs. And I like started drinking more Syrah. And yeah. I just thought it was really beautiful. Not I wish. I wish more people drank white wine. Okay. I <laughs> had this exact conversation with Isamu earlier today, literally yeah. today. He was like talking about his Riesling. And I was like, that was my favorite wine that you guys released this batch. Like I yeah. loved that mm-hmm. Riesling. So good. I love... Okay, fun fact, our Riesling and the Bomba Riesling, they're all from, and the um, Wonderwork Riesling, they're also from the same vineyard. Oh, wait, so so VDC's is Kickflip, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had that one at Good Clean Fun, and it was so good. Thank you. So they're good. They're all from the same vineyard. Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't it exciting when yeah. you can see how all different, the different grapes yeah. are all and, different ways? And I loved Bomba's, too, because I saw her at Bandini when she was, like, for, she was, like, randomly had a bottle and was, like, pouring it for, like, yeah. friends. Like, it wasn't, like, on the menu or anything like that. And... Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I fucking love California Riesling. Like, yeah. California Riesling is fun. It's delicious. It's bright. It's 
lemony and exciting. And like I posted about that on my TikTok and people were like, how are you good? Like the conversation starts and ends with German Riesling. And I'm like, okay, that's so obvious though. Like why would we like, yeah, sure. Of course, of course. Like I'd love a good like, but like, come on, like let's mix it up. There's so many uh, great California Rieslings right now. But yeah, white wine is like really neglected. I personally am like, it's like my personal mission to really like deep dive into Greek wines this summer. I've like started that and then like specifically like white, specifically like white uh, Greek wines, like Sirtiko, Malaguzia. Yeah. And I'm like really excited. You're going to eat some fish? Yes. I love a good Mediterranean beach side style meal. One of the last times we traveled was to Greece. Vorvulus is Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greek. that's what I remember him being. Um, Adam Demetrius Vorvulus. It's like Demetrius. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like Adam the, Demetrius. <laughs> um, but like the one of the best times we had there was like this little lunch that we had where like the the table was in the water mm. and we had this like really minerally salty white wine Delicious. with our um, like tomato cucumber salad. My dream. What I more like- do you need? Thank you thank so you. much for letting me come into the new tasting room, the VDC Good Luck Wine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> VDC and Good Luck Wine tasting room is now open in Pasadena Thursday through Saturday. So be sure to visit them. Come have a glass of wine. Your shop is open. Every day. Every day with the most amazing selection you would find in this side of LA for sure. Definitely, if not all of LA. And then also VDC Wine is here producing wine all year round. All year round. But so much that's, wine. that's not for the public. Support local. Yes, support local. We love Pasadena. As you know, I am also a Pasadenian my whole life. And I'm I can't happy. We only just found out that. Yes, <laughs> we just found out recently that we both went to the same high school but i'm a lot older so you're not a lot older and i only went to that high school for a year yeah technically (laughs) so we pat we we were two passing ships yeah (laughs) what amazing thank you thanks for joining thanks and thank you everyone for listening yes and for supporting natural wine yes go to good luck wine go to their other store altadena bev in altadena curating some also amazing wines beverages and also food we love food and Full liquor. Yeah, full liquor. Yay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for giving this podcast a listen. And as always, if you love this podcast, be sure to rate it on Spotify, to share it with your friends, friends you think might love it too. Because the more people that listen to it, the happier I will be. Thanks. Love you. Bye.